Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. In today's episode, we're going to first start off by saying and explaining why there was no Wednesday podcast. And quite frankly, there was a Wednesday podcast. There, It just wasn't able to be uh, let out, mainly because of a technical issue that was happening with the equipment the quite frankly if we would have released the episode it is not something that i believe any of you would have ended up listening to prior or more than three minutes tops uh we're gonna play a little bit just so that way you know i'm not lying if you recall the reason why the packers ended up drafting aaron Rodgers was because brett Favre year in year out was debating retirement, and the Packers got sick and tired of waiting to see, hey, are you going to retire? So after hearing that, you can definitely understand the reason of not releasing that episode. While, yeah, you can understand me, the quality was not good. It sounded like I was talking through a microphone that was being recorded on like two different computers, and I'd we could not find the reason why this was going on. Uh, had tried redoing several segments in the episode multiple times, and it just kept happening. So we decided that the Wednesday episode would be canceled, and today we promise that everything is fine. We have corrected all the mistakes that were going on with that, and we look forward to having a great episode. With that being said, we are going to get right into it and talking about the Miami Dolphins. More particularly, what the Miami Dolphins did this past week or on Monday after beating the New Orleans Saints. The Dolphins are now the only team in NFL history to have a seven-game losing streak and then follow that by a seven-game winning streak in the same season. And... You know, I, I know a lot of people still are giving hate towards Tua, Tua Vailoa, and it, some of it I get. You know, he's not performing like a top five, top ten quarterback where he was drafted and everything, but he's still a young player. I mean, we've been kind of spoiled by the players that have been taken the past couple of years, such as Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, players who have excelled right away, right out of the gate, right when they got the opportunity to start. And, you know, I just wanted to say that's not how all quarterbacks are. And really, this all, if we look back on history, this all started back in the 2008 draft when teams started expecting quarterbacks to be able to come in and fans expected quarterbacks to be able to come in and make an instant impact. The 2008 draft class that had Falcons quarterback Matt Ryan and the uh, Ravens quarterback at the time, Joe Flacco, both stepped in right away, led their teams to the playoffs and really performed extremely well in their first season. And prior to that, that wasn't really a big thing. Usually it was not, it was pretty 
common for quarterbacks to be drafted in the top five, 10 picks and to sit a year or two to develop. And, you know, it's kind of where I want to just say, like, you know, Tua, while he hasn't looked like a world beater, definitely has not looked like some bum either. And I know some people will go to his statistics and say he's not laying up the stat sheet or anything. But looking at the Miami Dolphins and how they started and when Tua was in the game, week one, they win. Tua was at quarterback, and they beat the New England Patriots in an upset. Then they face the my or the Buffalo Bills, and on the fourth pass attempt of Tua's game, he gets injured and does not play from for the rest of that game and until week six, where he comes in and plays against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now they lose to the Jaguars, but he threw thirty three for forty seven which is a 70% completion percentage, 329 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Definitely not a bad game for any quarterback. Most teams would be very pleased from that uh, stat line for their quarterback. Then when we look at the following game, goes and faces the Falcons at home, and he throws 32 for 40, 80% completion percentage, four touchdowns, two interceptions. The interceptions definitely did cost the Miami Dolphins in that game, but he's still putting up good stats, and he's still playing at a pretty high level. And then he fouled that game by not having the best game in the world to the Buffalo Bills, who in the beginning and midway through the season, the Bills looked great. They were playing very well. and. The Bills, again, beat the Dolphins 26-11. to Definitely wasn't his best game by any means. And then Week 10 didn't look that great. He only threw 13 pass attempts, but they won. That's all that matters. Week 11, they win again, and he performs very well, 27 for 33. From Week 11... To week 13, and I know that these teams that they faced were not world beaters in any way. New York Jets, Carolina Panthers, and New York Giants. He threw a above 70% completion percentage, which for any second-year quarterback, I would say is a pretty damn good completion percentage. Whether they be long, uh, long down-the-field throws or short throws. You know, everyone wants to give to a crap. I remember I talked about this in a previous podcast about how Logan Ryan threw shade at Tua for only throwing the ball only like three yards down the field. And, you know, that's fine and all. You can throw shade all you want, but he still won the game. The, the Dolphins won the game, and it revolved really around Tua being able to throw those, those dink and dunk three-yard passes. I remember back in the day, couple years ago when people were giving Tom Brady all the shit for oh he can only he can only take the check down he never throws the ball down the field well guess what what happened during that time period Tom Brady won Super Bowls I think any quarterback you you tell Aaron Rodgers Patrick Mahomes hey you take the check down every player 
only throw like five deep balls a game and you'll win a Super Bowl, they're going to take that. They're going to take it every time. They will sacrifice their ego and throw the dink and dunk passes. They won't care about, hey, the, uh, the people are saying how I can't throw the ball down the field. You know you can throw the ball down the field. And those plays where you have to, you'll show it. And, that, and Tua has for the most part. Yes, here and there, he has had some dumb mistakes, some bad interceptions, but overall, he's playing at a pretty damn good level, and we'll get into more about him later, but I saw the comparison, and I found it kind of funny, and this is why I just want to bring this up, that <laughs> someone said that Brucey from the longest yard is out here winning seven straight for the Miami Dolphins, and I can genuinely say, if you look at the side-by-side photos between Brucey from the longest yard and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, you are not going to see Tua Tonga-Vailoa anymore. Every time you see him in the game, you are going to see Brucey, and it <laughs> it's really uncanny. They look like the exact same human being, but needless to say, I think that anyone who is given Tua a bad rap right now. I think this week is his week to show them why they're, why they're wrong. They're facing the Titans. And as you'll see later, I I'm pretty confident in the dolphins to potentially take the upset in this game, but we'll get more into that later for now. We're actually going to transfer over to the NFC side and talk about the green Bay Packers quarterback situation. Not that there is a concern for Aaron Rodgers playing this weekend, but there is and should be a slight concern for him potentially returning to the Packers next season or in general to the NFL. On Wednesday's episode, we discussed this a little bit, but of course that wasn't released due to technical issues, that Aaron Rodgers has had came out and made statements saying that he's just enjoying this season for this season and playing next year will definitely be in the thought process. Uh, Rogers went on to saying that he doesn't want to finish his career playing like a bum and would prefer to be playing at a high level. Rogers also said that he does not want to make some, you know, drag some decision out for the long term and leave the Packers like high and dry without a quarterback or knowing what to do at the quarterback position. And I'm now saying that Aaron Rodgers, who for right now, and I've said this multiple times over the past couple weeks and even months, that Rodgers, in my opinion, is truly playing at an MVP level and should be the MVP. I've been saying that since like week five when everyone else was saying Tom Brady was the MVP. But Tom Brady has now entered the realm of Brett Favre. You know, if you recall from, and this is what the segment that I sampled from earlier in this episode was about, that... Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre, the similar traits right now is that Brett Favre, when he was getting towards the end of his career, he was not giving straight answers to the Packers. Packers want to know, hey, are you retiring? Are you staying? How long are you going to stay? 
yada, 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 here and there, and he would never give a straight answer. Every season for the Packers towards the end with Brett Favre, it was it was always a question, are you leaving after this season? And the answer was always a, a resound, or sound, and an overwhelming, I don't know. And that's kind of the realm that Aaron Rodgers is now getting into. He's acting like, hey, I could leave. I could not. He did it last year with the NFC champion or after the NFC championship game. And honestly, this could help the Packers for the Packers players. Cause I think that it might push themselves to play even harder to win one more for Aaron or it might really piss off the Packers and you know, he says in the same review that he's also gotten a better relationship now with GM Brian Gutekunst, that it's improved and everything. But this is going to piss off Brian Gutekunst. This is going to piss off the entire Packers front office. Like, you are literally bringing so much unwanted attention to yourself, to the organization. And for those who say, oh, it's not really that big of a deal, it kind of is because now the other players are going to be asked about this throughout the week, throughout the weeks, and leading up to the playoffs, in the playoffs, and potentially in the Super Bowl. Like, oh, is this Aaron's last go-around with the Packers? And it's going to be an annoyance. Now, it would be different if he would have came out like how Ray Lewis did and said just, hey, this is my last time that I'm going to, or the last season that I'm going to take with the uh, Baltimore Ravens. And it can actually motivate the team. The Ravens played harder for Ray. They won to win one more Super Bowl for Ray Lewis. They were playing good in the 2012 season. They weren't world beaters by any means, by any means, but they were still performing at a high level. And then he said that, and then they just exploded and turned into almost like a juggernaut, both on offense and on defense. And to this day, I still kind of credit Joe Flacco's mega elite, per se, contract that broke all the books after that Super Bowl to Ray Lewis because Joe Flacco definitely would want to win a ring for himself, a, not, not just for himself, but also for Ray Lewis, an iconic player and teammate of his. So that him saying that definitely is going to push everyone around him. And if Aaron said something like that, I would say, okay, the, the Packers are going to be going to the Super Bowl this year. Cause you know that Devonte Adams is going to want to win him a ring, another ring. He wants to win himself a ring, but he also is going to want to win Aaron Rodgers a ring. Aaron Jones is going to want to AJ Dillon's going to want to, once Bakhtiari comes back, he's going to want to. That offensive line is going to try and do everything they can. That defense is going to be going hard for Aaron, and it's going to push the team to a whole new level because they're going to know mentally, hey, Jordan, they already know, Jordan Love is not the answer at quarterback. They would that not. They would definitely be thinking, if I want a Super Bowl ring with this team, this is the time. There will not be a next year 
We got to get it right now. That's the same thing that happened with the Ravens in 2012. And quite frankly, I also think kind of branching off to this, that's why Ben Roethlisberger made the statements that he did saying how that this could be his last game in Heinz Field on Monday against the Browns. He's trying to motivate his team and everything that, hey, you know, not only do it for yourself, but do it for me and do it for this fan base that want to see us win one more time in the stadium. But honestly, I think that this with Rodgers brings a lot of <clears throat> unwanted attention and we're going to have to see where this goes from here. I mean, I could see him potentially retiring after the season. I know that there's certain people who are probably going to say, oh, he's just saying that and everything. But I can genuinely say that I could see Aaron going to Gutekunst half or in the offseason, say they lose again in the NFC Championship game in another heartbreaking fashion. He's going to go to Gutekunst, say, hey, I want to be traded. Gutekunst is probably going to say, no, we are not trading you after you just won back-to-back MVPs. And then Aaron's going to say, okay, I'm going to retire. He's going to retire. They're going to move on. They might draft or sign another quarterback. And then once training camp comes around, Aaron's going to come back. And that's going to be the way he's going to be able to play beyond another or on another team because it's going to be the exact same move that Brett Favre made. And for those who think that Aaron wouldn't do that, don't push it past them. I mean, we, we, especially Packers fans, you know what Aaron Rodgers says and how he acts. He is not one to shy away from being controversial or just an annoyance. And granted, if if the Packers don't win the Super Bowl this year, I don't blame him for leaving or wanting to leave because, quite frankly, they've had all the opportunities in the world to build a amazing like team around him and win Super Bowls, and they just constantly are just messing up in big moments. For instance, drafting Jordan Love, big mistake. And I don't blame him for wanting out. But again, we will have to see where that takes us. I mean, we won't know until the offseason. And, you know, maybe if the Packers win another Super Bowl, all, everything's going to be fine. He's going to continue to play. We don't know. Or for the Packers. Even with that, again, we could definitely see them potentially losing in the NFC Championship game again to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know a lot of people are kind of saying that the Buccaneers are not like true competitors right now because they're missing certain players like Fournette, Godwin, and so on and so forth. But honestly, as and I know some people are going to be like, oh, come on. I think that Le'Veon Bell could be a key contributor to the Buccaneers. He, we all know he can. He's a good pass catching back, and Tom Brady loves his pass catching backs or running backs. Adding to that, Antonio Brown is back for them, and he has proven that he can be 
who is a very key member to that offense and Tom Brady. So honestly, it's going to be kind of a hard path for the Packers. I think this year again, I, while I think that the Rams are good, I'm not sure if they're true competition for the Packers, mainly because they kind of, their defense does not match up well against the Green Bay offense. And I think the only two comp or teams that can really compete with the Packers right now are the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But with all that being said, we are going to go to a break. When we return, we will be doing the What Happened Did Your Balls drop-off segment and then also doing the game predictions for Week 17. When we return after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell, and we are going to be doing the segment of what happened did your balls drop off to a couple players and even a reporter uh we're gonna kick it off though right away by first talking about the clear and obvious ones starting off with number 25 Aquilo weatherspoon from the pittsburgh steelers honestly and I've talked about this before. If you're losing, if you're losing, keyword there, losing, and losing bad, more importantly, there should be no reason that you're celebrating in any fashion. Like, that, yeah, good job. You, you suck. Good for you. Like, honestly, like, and the reason why I want to give Akilo Weatherspoon the first award for the what happened to Jabal's drop off what happened to Jabal's drop off is because he went ahead and started flexing and like almost borderline taunting uh Josh Gordon right after uh he forced an incompletion and at that time I think they were down 30 to 0 or 30 to 3 in the fourth quarter, like, are you serious? Like, dude, you're, you guys are getting destroyed. You've been getting torched all day. You're guarding their fourth string or fifth string wide receiver. And you want to act like you're a big man. Like, honestly, like not trying to be a, a D bag or anything, but you suck. Where were you when Tyreek Hill was burning, you guys? Huh? Pringle. Hardman. Where were you then? If you want to flex, you better really cover them all. Just like Pokemon. Gotta catch them all. You can't catch them all there, Chief. So you get the first award for what happened. Did your balls drop off? What happened? Did your, did your balls drop off? Now the second one goes to... Panthers wide receiver Robbie Anderson, who, again, same situation, Robbie. And Robbie Anderson, I, I think, is a great wide receiver, fiery wide receiver. I, I love that. But you're losing dramatically. And you go ahead and at not even five minutes left in the four, in the game, 
getting destroyed by the division rival Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You get a first down on the sideline, and you go ahead and point in celebration for uh, your first down. It's like, yeah, good for you. Honestly, good for you. Just honestly. You, you're, you're amazing, dude. Yeah, you, you did so much for your team during this game. And then you did it again. You did it again a couple plays later when you got your second or another first down. Yeah, you, you know, went ahead and did the same thing. So again, Robbie Anderson, you get the second award for the what, what happened? happened? Did your balls, balls drop, drop off? off? Uh then the final one, the final winner of the what happened, did your balls drop off segment, and probably the most ballsiest one of them all goes to a the re, reporter asking Bill Belichick about actually I'm not even going to spoil it for you in case you haven't heard it just just take a listen uh this is post game press conference right after the Patriots had lost to the Buffalo Bills here we go so Hi, um, football aside, sorry, but I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers? Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. Maybe next week. Okay, so first of all, I, I get it. You're, you're doing another story. We all want to, like, do our job, try and, you know, get get the best of the best to – talk about like their new year's resolutions but honestly wasn't the best time to do that post-game press conference and a tough loss to a division rival this now put them to two losses in a row haven't won in over three weeks I don't think that's really what Bill Belichick who is all football all the time really wants to talk about But to top it off, and this is why she really, really wins the ultimate what happened, did your balls drop off award, is really just because she doubles down and today re-asked the question. Here, take take a listen. New Year's Eve day. Um, Have you had a chance to consider any New Year's resolution since I asked you on Sunday? Yeah, they, they would all be personal, so it probably wouldn't mean anything to you anyway. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I loved his response because, like, he's he's kind of like shunned her down, kind of, kind of, just destroying her a little bit on her question. And honestly, I can't believe she really tried this again. Like. You already got shut down once on it. He definitely didn't want to answer it in the post-game press conference. And again, like I said, this man is all football. We all know it. You don't get as many Super Bowl championships not being all football. And normally, NFL coaches, not just him, are all football. Everyone except Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer is not all football. He's all football lap dances and kicking his kicker in the legs and calling them not by their actual name that, but that's the exception. 
You know, you ask Urban Meyer that, he's going to tell you all of his New Year's resolutions. He's going to tell you how he he's looking forward to going on vacation as well. And he's going to tell you about his Christmas, even though they just got blown out. Because that's what Urban Meyer would do. Bill Belichick, though, is not going to answer that question. So to this or to that reporter that asked the question, you get the ultimate what happened to Jabal's drop off. What happened to Jabal's drop off? And honestly, you get that mainly because just how stupid of a question that was to ask not once, but twice and on two separate days. But. Moving over to the final subject of the day, which is the NFL game predictions for this weekend's games. We're going to start it off by talking about the first game of this weekend, which is the uh, Baltimore Ravens and the LA Rams. Now, heading into this game thus far, it I don't think that Lamar Jackson's going to end up playing and that would mean Tyler Huntley will be in. Uh, other than him, uh, let's see here. Who else is potentially not playing? Marquise Brown is probably not playing. He's not participating in practice at all this week. Uh, Odafe Owe- Owehu, uh I probably just totally butchered that name, and I'm sorry if I did, is doubtful. And Anthony Averett. They're now number one starting corner because they've been depleted of corners from injury is out as well with a rib and chest injury for the Rams. The Rams don't have anyone ruled out yet, and I'm going to make this quick. I'm taking the Rams to win this game. Uh, I know that the Ravens are desperate to kind of get a win, but honestly, the Rams have looked way too good not to choose them. So I'm taking the Rams in that matchup. Then moving on to the Falcons at the Bills. The Falcons head into this game as huge underdogs. Fabian Moru or Morehu, I cannot pronounce his last name for some reason right now, is out or doubtful. Then for the Bills, they have no one who's technically out yet. Emmanuel Sanders did not participate in practice this week. With an ankle injury, I watched the film from the Falcons game, and one of the main things I just want to ask is how is it that the Falcons managed to lion the game, and then the then the Lions falconed the game, and then the Falcons falconed the game, and then finally... The Lions lioned the game. And if you don't understand what I mean, please go watch the highlights from that game and you will totally understand everything that happened. You would say, oh, that's so Lions or that's so Falcons. Or, and honestly, that game, I don't think the Falcons really should have won. I'm definitely not taking the Falcons in this game. I'm taking the Bills to win and I don't think anyone would question me on that. Maybe Falcons fans, but I would say that you're a homer for that. Then the New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. The New York Giants head into this game without Colin Johnson. Uh, Billy Price is doubtful. Kadarius Toney is out. John Ross is out. Um... 
Then for the Bears, the Bears will be without most likely J.P. Holtz, who is doubtful to play in the game. I am going to, as of right now, I'm I'm, ta- I'm taking the Bears in this matchup. Uh, they're at home, and I can't help but feel like it's going to be a pretty easy game for Justin Fields and the offense to win. And even if Justin Fields isn't playing, their backups, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, both shown that they are very capable to step in and lead the Bears into victory here and there or play well enough to win. So I'm taking the Bears in that game. Then on to one of the better games of the week, the Chiefs at the Bengals. Chiefs are heading into this game with their Friday injury report. First of all, not filled out, so are not sure. Or I am not sure what who is and is not playing. The Bengals have Cam Sample and Jalen Davis out. The as of right now for the uh, Chiefs, the only player that looks like could be out is potentially Clyde Edwards-Helaire with a shoulder injury, and. This is a hard one for me because I feel like the I could see the Bengals winning this game, but at the same time, the Chiefs have just looked like monsters the past couple weeks. And I know that the Bengals have played very well the past couple weeks, but the Bengals are kind of on a win-two, lose-two type of dilemma, and that would mean that their next two games they should lose if we're going off that. Um, the... One concern for me with the Chiefs would be that the past couple weeks, they haven't played like the strongest, most talented teams. But honestly, they, even though they haven't played the best teams, they've destroyed a lot of the teams that aren't that good. So I feel like they are capable of winning this game. I'm going to take the Chiefs in a close one. Uh, Yeah. Then we are going to move on to the Raiders at the Colts. The Raiders will have a healthy team for this game, and the Colts will be without Andrew Sandejo. And honestly, you guys already know from the beginning of the season, I was very high on the Colts. Uh, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked by me taking the Colts in this game taking the Colts straight up in this matchup. Then the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New England Patriots. The Jaguars will be without tight end James O'Shaughnessy. The Patriots will be without Nelson Aguilar. And as of right now, Dante Hightower may not play. We don't know. Other than that, looking like they're going to be good to go. I'm taking the Patriots in this one. I don't think anyone... Like th- this week's going to be a pretty easy week to predict games, in my opinion, personally. Now, watch, I'm going to say that I'm going to ha- go and win only like four or five games, which would definitely suck, but I don't think that's going to happen. It feels like an easy week. Every team, it seems like it's a major um- underdog on one side. And I mean, I know that certain people will say, oh, well, the Patriots struggled the past couple weeks, but they have struggled against good teams. They haven't struggled against against the bad teams, and the Jaguars are definitely not considered a good team. 
So the Patriots win that game outright, especially since they're at home too. Then the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New York Jets. The Buccaneers head into this game with Shaq Barrett out, Chase and Pierre Paul out, um, and Antonio Brown might be out as well. He is not participating in practice at all. Meanwhile, the Jets are will most likely not have Jameson Crowder. He's doubtful. Even though I like how the Jets have played the past couple weeks, I'm going to take Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. They, I mean, it's Tom Brady facing a team that he has so much history facing. He never loses to them. Even, even now, I just don't think that the Jets can beat Tom Brady. So, Buccaneers for Jets, I'm taking Buccaneers. Then, looking at the next game, the Miami Dolphins at the Tennessee Titans. The Dolphins have a good, healthy team right now. The Titans will be without potentially uh, Julio Jones. It There's still a chance that Julio plays, but the chances are slim. And honestly... I'm going to go, as long as Uji, Julio Jones doesn't play in that game, I'm taking the Miami Dolphins to beat the Titans in a close game. But honestly, I think that the 49ers should have beaten the Titans from what I saw on film. They played better than the Titans. The 49ers, and more particular, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just kind of choked away the game through some bad interceptions in moments where he couldn't really afford to throw interceptions. And I I, I honestly think that the 49ers should have won that game. So I am going to take the Miami Dolphins to upset the Tennessee Titans. Then the next game, which injury report is loading, the Philadelphia Eagles are facing the Washington football team. The Philadelphia Eagles will be without Miles Sanders again, and then Washington will be without William Jackson III. Now, I'm in ways I want to take Washington, I really do, but I don't trust Washington as much as I've been trusting the Eagles as of late. I think I'm going to take the Eagles in this game in large part due to they look more like a playoff caliber team right now. And I think they'll be able to run the ball pretty damn well against the Washington football team, even without uh, Miles Sanders. Then the next game, the Denver Broncos at the LA Chargers. And I know, I know, I shit the bed. I thought that Drew Locke was going to be able to beat the Raiders last week. And it was honestly a very short game. It was not, I'm pretty sure it was the shortest game of the week. But right now heading into this game, Teddy Bridgewater's out for the Broncos. Uh, Cortland Sutton is most likely out. And then for the Chargers, they are most likely going to be without Drew Tranquil. I'm taking the Chargers, honestly. I, this this isn't a hard one either. 
Chargers, even though they haven't performed that great the past couple weeks. And I would say if the Chargers lose this game, they are officially fake playoff contenders. Like, yeah, they'll probably make it. They could still make it and everything, even if they lose this week, but I would call them very fake playoff contenders. They have a great team, but they just can't get out of their own way and they can't perform in good, or they don't perform well in big time moments. So I would take them as kind of a joke if they made it to the playoffs. Then looking at the Houston Texans at the San Francisco 49ers, the Houston Texans, who just had a big upset against the LA Chargers, I will say while they did upset the Chargers and it did look bad at some points, the Chargers did not prefer, like play bad per se on offense and it's really just their defense that was lacking any sort of momentum during the game. They did not do anything good in the game really against the Texans. The Texans right now look like they will be fully healthy for the game. The 49ers will be without Aziz Alazar. Let's see. Dre Greenlaw. Maurice Hurst. uh, Not going to try and pronounce that name. Safety TH (laughs) is the initials. He's doubtful. And Jimmy Garoppolo is also doubtful. Now... I did not realize that Jimmy Garoppolo was is doubtful. Actually, that definitely muddies the waters for me because I can genuinely say I was going to take the 49ers in this uh, situation. Let's see here: is Trey Lance going to start? Hmm. I think if Trey Lance plays, I will. I'll take the 49ers still if Trey Lance plays. And I know that I was the number one person who shit on Trey Lance, but I feel like Jimmy, or not Jimmy Garoppolo, Kyle Kyle Shanahan will do enough to make make the offense be able to run well. The defense will be able to help as well and stop the Texans' run game and... Just be able to pull off a very close win. So 49ers in that matchup. Then the Arizona Cardinals at the Dallas Cowboys. Cardinals have been struggling a lot lately. Like I said in the beginning of the year, fake playoff contender. Yes, they're in the playoffs now. They're a fake Super Bowl contender. I don't think anyone feels confident about them going to the Super Bowl. Um... The Cardinals are without Jordan Phillips, Marco Wilson, and potentially Demetrius Harris. Uh, the Cowboys are without Quentin Bohana. Other than that, they are all good to go. I'm taking the Cowboys in this game. They're at home. The Their defense has performed extremely well. The Cardinals really just... I cannot help but feel like they're going to be a one-and-done in the playoffs. But heading to the next game, the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. The Panthers will be without Stephon Gilmore, 
And then Sean Chandler is doubtful, and so is Cameron Irving. Then the Saints are without Traquan Smith. And other than that, uh, Bradley Roby is questionable. Lil Jordan Humphrey is questionable. Ty Montgomery is questionable. And Tyrone Armstead is questionable. Now, this is the game that kind of intrigues me because even though the Panthers lost last week, I will say that when Sam Darnold came in, he did perform better than Cam Newton. Now, the question is, is Sam Darnold going to be starting um, for the Carolina Panthers? And I feel more confident in if the, <laughs> the Carolina Panthers start Cam or start uh, Sam Darnold over Cam Newton. And as of right now, from what I've been seeing, he is supposed to start. But honestly, the coaching staff, Matt Rule, he better stick with Sam Darnold than for the game. Watching the film, it was so annoying taking notes and putting, oh, Cam Newton's in for a play. Oh, now Sam Darnold's in for a play. Just leave one quarterback in. You totally take the quarterback out of their groove when you take them off the field and anyone who's ever thrown a football, <laughs> excuse me, thrown a football in any sort of flag football, high school football, college football game will say that if they are coming in and out every other play, that they're not going to be in a good spot to constantly perform at a high level. Like you need to be able to stay in there and you need to show some confidence in one guy. So don't pull Sam Darnold. Now, if they're getting blown out, then yes, go ahead. Pull Sam Darnold at that point. But as of right now, I don't think that they're going to get blown out. Um, all that being said, though, I don't think I want to doubt the Saints. This game's kind of a toss-up for me. It could go either way. I, As of right now, I think I'll go with the New Orleans Saints, although I do think it will be close. Uh, the fact that they have Hill back for the Saints at quarterback, I think that'll make a big difference. So, And that's the reason why I'm going to take the Saints in that game. Also, the Saints overall have the better team, so I'm going to take the Saints. Then looking at the next game, the Lions at the Seahawks. And the Lions heading into this game, Jared Goff is doubtful. Jason Kabinda is out. The Seahawks are without John Radgen. Uh, Brandon Shell's doubtful. And Alex Collins is questionable. If Jared Goff was playing this game, I'd be taking the Lions. The fact that he's not, most likely, I'm taking the Seahawks. Uh, you know, last week, the backup, Tyler uh, Boy or Boyle, Tim Boyle, uh, did not look bad against the Falcons, but the Falcons' secondary outside of A.J. Terrell is absolute trash. And... I, even though the Seahawks defense is trash, I'd say that their trash is just slightly better trash than the Falcons. So I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks in that matchup. 
Then the Minnesota Vikings at the Green Bay Packers. First game in this division rivalry, the Vikings won in a close one. The Vikings are with or will most likely be missing cornerback Cameron Dantzler, who is doubtful. Then Michael Pierce is also questionable with an illness. The Green Bay Packers are without, of course, Jari Alexander and David Bakhtiari. And Billy Turner is also out for... Ooh, actually, that, that makes things kind of interesting. That does. The fact that they're missing both their first and their second string left tackle definitely makes this game a little more intriguing. The fact that it isn't Lambo, it should be easier for the Packers. You know what? This is a Sunday night game, actually. What have we learned about Kirk Cousins over the years? Kirk Cousins sucks in primetime games. I was about to take the Vikings to upset the Packers. The fact that it's primetime, not a chance. Taking the Packers, and I honestly, I was so ready to take the underdog Vikings, actually. But now that I see that it is primetime, not, not happening. Then looking at the final game of the week, the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers, the potential last game in Heinz Field for quarterback Ben Roethlisberger. There are no players that are necessarily out yet because they don't show or they haven't ruled anyone out yet. The Browns most likely thus far look like they might miss Troy Hill, John Johnson the second or the third. Sorry. And then J.C. Treader. For the Steelers as of right now, uh, Buddy Johnson potentially out, Kendrick Green potentially out. And as much as I want to take the Steelers because they're going to be playing for Big Ben, I really can't do that. Like, I, I everyone wants to crap on Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is a fine quarterback, and the four interceptions he threw against the Packers, only two of them I view as actual interceptions. The first interception by Darnell, by Darnell Savage, there was definite illegal contact by the defensive back covering Donovan Peoples-Jones uh, on, the, on the route. And then on the final, inter, or the final interception, there was definitely a holding penalty on Donovan Peoples-Jones again, or against Rasul Douglas covering Donovan Peoples-Jones. And honestly, if they take either of those and just say if one of those doesn't happen and the flag is thrown, I think the Browns easily win or do end up winning that game. Uh, I'm going to take the Browns. It's it's definitely a scary game to choose right now since I don't know who's all in and who's out. But I am going to take the Browns in that matchup. Uh, with that all being said, we are just going to, before we finish this episode up, we are just going to talk about one last thing from the what we talked about on the Wednesday podcast. We expanded on this a lot, and this is why I'm really actually sad that we didn't get to talk 
or that that episode didn't go out was because I talked a little bit about John Madden and his passing, and I just want to say one thing about him since it didn't get out on Wednesday. For those who did not know, John Madden did pass away, and he died at the age of 85. He was known to be one of one known to one generation as a Hall of Fame head coach. Another is the greatest broadcaster ever, and yet for another, the video game that bore his name, he's just a football legend. An American original, and honestly, like there was no one that was better at him in his job. Literally, he made football easy for the viewer to understand. Like In today's game where everyone's saying like how complicated the NFL is. And yes, it is a complicated game. It's more complicated than most people think. John Madden found a way to make it so easy for people to understand. And honestly, the NFL needs to somehow honor him by either, for for instance, renaming the uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame as the John Madden Hall of Fame and and or something. I mean, it doesn't have to be the Hall of Fame. You could they just need to find something for it. Some people might say coach of the year, and if someone says that, I would say definitely no, because that definitely has to go to Bill Belichick. The best coach of all time, the greatest coach of all time. He should be the one that will eventually bear that name of Bill Belichick Coach of the Year Award. But I think that needs to happen. They they need to do some sort of thing to honor him. And then Madden, the video game, please, next year, make a good video game because your games have sucked the past couple of years. Really, the past like five to six years, your games have been absolutely trash. And everyone knows that that's why no one likes to play your the games. And you guys just need to make it Madden or John Madden 2022. Don't have a cover athlete. Have it be John Madden to honor him. There would be no football game. If, for those who think like, oh, well, they would just did it after another coach or whatever. Yeah, they could have. But at that time, video games or video game companies wanted to make football games that were not 11 on 11. John Madden would not let his name be put on a video game that was not 11 on 11 football. So that's why he was kind of the pioneer for that game and made it so legendary and kind of opened up the entire field for NFL video games. And he didn't even know what really a video game was at the time but he literally would not let it happen if it wasn't 11 on 11 football and everyone has played Madden if you're a football fan or you know of Madden. No one says, oh, I'm going to go play the football game 2021. No, they go and say they were playing Madden. But with that all being said, we are that does bring us to the end of this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, of course, this is New Year's, New Year's Eve, uh, so we will see you next year. I know I probably lost a listener for saying that, uh, but I hope you guys enjoy your weekend. 
If you drink this tonight or tomorrow, don't drive, even though it's going to be very hard to get an Uber or, you know, Lyft with it being New Year's Eve. Don't drink and drive. Don't ruin someone's new year by taking their loved one. Like, just be smart, be safe. And we will see you guys next week, Wednesday, for the Wednesday episode. Until then, y'all have a great weekend and happy new year.